Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And you are like, you are gunning to go over there. I am. I'm you are ready. so impatient. I'm ready. I was I finishing up doing really <laughs> exhausting math for I this just, story. I have, this, I have this song I want to play Jeez. later, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to play the song. So you've got a lot of stuff going on here on the no, on the show notes here. Um, something about liking expensive things. Yes. Why? I'm just, I'm kind of upset with myself because... The car okay. hobby, especially, like and a self, basically, this, like a self-esteem problem, or what no, we, it's just do you like. Want me to, do you hold go, on, you want to go sit on the couch? <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah, and then, do you know what that's called? The like couch for the therapist is the fainting couch. Oh, I thought you were going to say the casting couch. <laughs> that's a different. <laughs> it's a totally different, different show. Chris. Yeah, I don't want you to be totally on that different couch. show. Yeah. Uh, no, I so, call the fainting couch. Where you like, know. where you tell people your problems and they're just so overwhelming that you pass yeah, out. I just know it's called a fainting couch. I yeah, think it, it sounds like a lot of people age. I can think of in society. It's probably today. because all the corsets were too tight. So they have to like sit down and they faint. Yeah, that could probably be it. I don't know. Yeah. Making it up as I go. No, but I was going to say, I'm, I'm kind of upset. I'm realizing how expensive all my hobbies are. I'm like all the things I want that I think are cool in my hobbies. Okay, let me let me let me picture what expensive. your hobbies are. I'm going to guess your hobbies. Okay, your hobbies you know are my hobbies. Your hobbies are cars. Yeah. Birkenstocks. <laughs> <laughs> Cars, Birkenstocks. If, if you consider that a hobby, that is my cheapest hobby by Stupid far. fountains in your front yard with it's rocks. It's not a hobby. That's home improvement. It looks that amazing. That is a hobby. That is a hobby. Home improvement is a hobby because your house is already nice. You don't need to do anything. Okay? I haven't done anything on my house in a long time. Or it's just called investing in your own home equity. Nah, it's home improvement. It's a hobby. You don't have to do Fine. it. Fine. Okay. okay. Also, Fine. hobbies are uh, guns. Yep. You do like you do like guns uh, quite I, a bit. I do like guns. Um, <laughs> all I can think of is your hobby or your stupid shoes. <laughs> I spent $1,000 on new clubs. Oh, yeah, golf. Yes, that's like, why would you spend $1,000 on clubs? Why don't you just get regular clubs? I had regular clubs. And? I thought I'd golf better with better clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. No, it was no. just the same. It, was it wasn't worth the investment. Decision. Terrible yeah. decision. No, no I'm like, why don't I like gardening or like knitting or scrapbooking? or I mean, those are all terrible No, hobbies. because you, you, but, everything that you like, and I'm this way too, is, you, I mean, you like cars, guns, golf clubs, whatever. All these things are devices. They, right. It's all having to do with interacting with something and making it work and going and doing something yeah but i, I if you're gardening you're playing with dirt like how interesting is that that doesn't i just don't doesn't find it interesting at all when no. we moved under our house the people had like all these raised garden beds and like this is their vegetable garden their flower garden i just plowed all of them <laughs> over they'd be horrified I, i'm sure well i'm sure they've driven by the house and i've driven by a lot of houses that i used to own and gone yeah well those people let that go yeah <laughs> oh yeah you, and you talk shit about meanwhile i have a fountain in my front yard which you is amazing so stupid it's like a four foot it's four feet wide it's like a little tiny font. Why don't you just put a little naked boy spitting some water on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a granite monolith rock in the center. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something. It's something in the center. And then I had to drain it this winter. Yeah, but cars are the worst. I mean, they cars are. are the most expensive thing. I feel like I actually have, I don't have a car payment on my 911, but I feel like I do because I feel like that thing cost me like two to $400 a month. Well, just, you, it's just not You make dumb decisions with it, yes. Like what? What was a dumb decision? Like, I know how much you spent on body work for the third year in a row. I had to. The car was rusty. It was unsafe to drive, in my opinion. It was not an option. I'm sure mine is no different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But I true. also, like, I could, I could have cheap cars, Chris. Well, speaking of that, that's what I decided to do. I decided that okay. rather than waste a bunch of money on, because we have this dilemma here. Okay, here's the what dilemma. What is our dilemma? In Minnesota, we have this dilemma as car guys. Yeah. We like cool cars. 
Yeah. We want to take care of the cool cars. We want the cool cars to be able to be sold later or enjoyed by someone else or whatever the case may be. Okay. We like to take care of them. Yeah. So in winter, I've, it's, I've it's recently a, not worried about that. It's it's a battle. Okay. So it's right. a battle in winter times, at least for me. Okay. So I like older cars. Yeah. You know, and I would love to buy like an Audi 5000 Quattro or yeah. a 4000 Quattro or whatever sure. and drive it around in the winter. Yeah. But you can't. It's a cool car, right. but it's just cool enough that you don't want to ruin it by driving around in the wintertime. So you're constantly walking this line of getting a car that's just cool enough that you want to drive it, uh -huh. but not so cool that you're going to worry when it turns into a giant dust pile by June or March or whatever. Right. So it's this constant battle of what can I find that's cool enough that just doesn't make me sad. So this year, yep. I have bought okay. a 2001 Mark IV Golf TDI. Okay. The most boring pedestrian car. You could make that less boring. It I, has a manual. It, it does have a it's manual. It's a two-door. It, it's a two-door. It's blue, which is kind of cool. It's got a little bit of rust. It comes with snow tires. Um, it, it's it, like lifted somehow. Somehow it is It is lifted. That's going to have to change because I just can't. You got to slam that. It's gotta it has be, to be a snowplow. It's going to have to be a snowplow. I just, I couldn't, I was trying to think of myself. I could, I was looking at talking to one of the listeners about getting his um, Forerunner. It was like $9,000. Like, oh, I could do that. Right now I have, I'm like down a car payment. And the car payment on my wagon, because it was a 36-month loan, because I'm trying right. to be responsible, was $400 a month. Right. And I'm just like, I don't have that right now. That's I don't have to deal with it. So I'm trying to... I see what you mean. I'm just trying to just be more responsible. Look at you being responsible. I know. that's It's the first time that I haven't tried... Last year, I got the 190E, right? Yeah. 190E, and I bought you know, a, a $600 set of wheels and spent another $1,000 restoring the wheels. And I bought coilovers for it yeah. and spent a bunch of time or uh, springs and yeah. building struts and like, you know, polishing got a, and I just, I don't, and for what? So that in the spring I could just sell it and be, and it's gone. It's down the road. And it, I don't know. I just didn't want to Meanwhile, I bought a $2,000 set of wheels that are identical to the wheels that are already on the car that I have. Why? Because I, don't know. So now they're for sale. <laughs> so if anyone wants some really cool BBS CHs for a 996 Turbo fitment. Wait, oh, so these are the bronze ones yeah. that you bought, for, but they look terrible on there with the yellow. No, number. I think they would actually look great, but I found a different set of winter wheels and tires for it. Oh, that so are I don't just already mounted those. and everything else? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. If anybody wants to buy a set of wheels, call 1-800-JAKES- Use Tire Emporium? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, so speaking of expensive things, I am finally doing it. I am putting a two-post lift in my garage. I Okay. I don't understand the the lift where you can't stand under the car. If you can't stand under the car, I don't understand the point of a lift because you might as well just So this will get it as high as it possibly can in my garage, and I theoretically would be able to put my old 911 up and drive the 996 under it. Really? It'll go that high? What do you have, like 11-foot ceilings in there or what? It's, yeah, like 10. 10, 11 foot ceilings. I guess that's cool, you know, for storage. It's, it's enough where you can is this like, the type sit of on a roller chair and be underneath it. So is this the type that's of- That's so much uh, easier. Two post where you can like put it away, where it locks into the floor and you can yes. wheel it out and yes. put it away yep. off to the side. So how does it lock into the floor? You do uh, drill like big anchor bolts. So you're going to be tripping over these bolts 24-7? I'm just going to leave it in place. Work? I'm never going to move it. Well, I'm just wondering. Because though. it has to swing out arms too. Right, but- how does it lock into the floor? Is it kind of like tilt under and lock into these? I think you just bolt it down. Okay, so you, I've seen ones that are portable where you kind of these have the wheels. In. Yeah. So I don't know. I haven't looked into it. So you'd have to untighten it and tighten it back down every single time. That's why wanna, I'm not going to move it. Yeah, that would be awful. I just, it's always marketed as like this portable thing where you yeah. Can, I don't know why you would ever do that. To yeah. be honest. Okay. So 
yeah, I'm going to sell my wheels and buy a lift. So buy my wheels. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I envy everybody with a lift. I've never had a lift. That's, that's the problem is, to your point, like I do have low ceilings. So there's all these other things and projects that go along with it. Okay. So I have to reroute my garage door track to be like super, super tight to the ceiling. Because right now it hangs down from the ceiling like three feet. Right. So then I couldn't lift the car at all with my garage door open. Right. And I also need to either way. Well, don't you have a chain that goes across there anyway or a chain or a belt? Yep, for so, the garage door opener. Yeah. So I need to do a jack shaft drive garage door opener, which runs on the side of the garage door rather than having the big belt system. Why don't you just buy a bunch of land where you can put up a pole barn and you can put like a really nice Nussbaum hoist in it? Because this is cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> what do these things run? Uh, so they run about 2400 bucks for the one I'm looking at. And you think it'll change your life enough that it's worth the $2,400? 100%. Okay. I do. All right. Yeah, because well, we'll I have all these projects for the 911 and the other car that I want to, like, do. And I was like, ah, I want it off the ground. I suppose at, at your stature, you're going to be able to Oh, it's great. I'll just walk there. right under it. just going to walk right under it. All right. This news episode is brought to you by our Patreons. And we it can't is. thank these guys enough for supporting the show. Um, we have a new shirt that we're going to be uh, making available to the Patreons before anybody else. And I'm kind of announcing that here first. So probably tomorrow or the next day, we're going to have a shirt that everybody can go and buy. Uh, but the Patreons are going to have first crack at it. Awesome. With it's a, a really cool shirt. With a discount. So we're going we're gonna to help our Patreons out first. You can go to patreon.com slash overcrest if you want to support the show. It's only 5 bucks or... You know, like 10, there are different tiers, of course. Yeah, and it, we just really appreciate it. Either guys. way, it gets you exclusive content. We have a whole slew of episodes on there that are only available for our Patreon members. I actually have another one that I'm working on right now that'll be really interesting. Look forward and to news it. News to you, Chris, as well. So. All right, speaking of news, uh, the full pricing of the Lucid Air has been released. Which I still don't remember much about this car. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna put the mood on. And we're going to talk a little <laughs> bit about, about the Lucid Air. All right. Remember when I made fun of the trim and how they described it? Oh, yeah. It was like, there's more. The Lucid Air is the story of California, where we find limitless possibility in our landscapes and our ambition. Hold on. What? What is this? Are, this is, is this from a poem Lucid you wrote? This seems like a poem you wrote. This, Why did you write a poem about the Lucid Air, Chris? This is from their website. Is it seriously? This is the main page okay, of their website. I got it. The Lucid Wait, can, can, I write, can I read it like very dramatically? I really want to. Go for it. The Lucid Air is the story of California, where we find limitless... <laughs> you gotta let me go! I can't. The Lucid Air is the story of California, where we find limitless possibility in our landscapes and our ambition. <laughs> Limited only by the fact that our air conditioners don't work. <laughs> the birthplace of Hollywood glamour and Silicon Valley innovation. We are forward thinkers who set new standards. We live a life with clear vision of what can be and then strive to make this a reality. Like a jet, Lucid Air. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are the most pretentious oh people I've God. ever met. Okay, continue. I, uh, just, I'm imagining the people that are buying them and just like, yeah, yeah, it's like a jet. It's like, Cal I love California. This car, this car is California. It's California. Yeah, 100%. Like a jet, Lucid Air slips effortlessly, effortlessly through space with a fluid form, <laughs> uninterrupted by any detail that isn't strictly necessary. It's tapered shape. What car doesn't have a tapered shape unless yeah. it's a Peterbilt cab over? <laughs> <laughs> Developed by close collaboration of design and aerodynamics teams. Which is Unlo every Unlike car. every other every manufacturer yeah. that designs cars with aerodynamics yes, teams. Of course. It makes it the world's most aero-efficient <laughs> luxury car with a verified 
0.21 coefficient of drag. Verified, Chris. They verified that. California doesn't compromise, and neither does Lucid Air. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I seriously thought you had written a poem. Uh, yeah, no compromise. California doesn't compromise ever. That's, that's a whole other episode all that all. True, well, true. Yeah. The automaker on Wednesday announced that the air will start from $77,000. Okay. So you want me to keep the end you going through this? Or should we just let this go in the background? I think we're good. I think go. we're okay. good. Yep. Um, the automaker on Wednesday announced that the air will start from $70,400, which drops to $69,900 for those who are eligible for a $7,500 federal tax credit on EVs. Why are we offering <laughs> tax credits to rich people that are buying electric vehicles? I don't understand. Why are we doing that? I, yeah. I, I don't understand. I, I, I can kind of understand because electric cars are expensive, right? It's kind of the right. it's the top technology. Yeah, they're if, trying to incentivize it. They want to incentivize it. Then build a cheap one and incentivize that one so regular people can buy them. Yeah. This this dude that's buying a, a one of these 80, things for $77,000. $80,000 car. Ooh, I got my $8,000 tax credit. What's he going to do on that? Reline his pool? Ridiculous. The base air won't interrupt. That is expensive it. to do, though. I'm sure it is. <laughs> he's gonna, yeah, sure it is. Maybe he's gonna work on it. Maybe he's gonna build a fountain out front on front of his house. Ooh, there you go. Or put a hoist in his garage. <laughs> you could do both. <laughs> <laughs> This base air won't enter production until 2022, but you can already reserve one on Lucid's website. And even though it's the entry point to the range, it will still come with an impressive 480 horsepower from a single motor powertrain. Dual, made, dual motor, all-wheel drive available as well. Sure. An estimated 406 miles of range as well for this thing. Okay, is, that's really which good. Is, which is really good. It will also come with a 34-inch curved screen as standard. No. Now, I remember when what? I was I would when I worked at Best Buy and they had these curved HGTV screens and they were the, always the most expensive ones. Okay. I always kind of wanted one of those, but not in my Why car. do you need a 34-inch screen on your it dashboard? Goes from, it goes from the left side vent all the 34 inches over. Why? I don't know. That's what are you what are you doing over in the passenger seat? That's significantly greater than my waist size. It is a huge, huge screen. Um, three additional air models will sit above well, now the you're base just bragging air. Bragging how skinny you are. <laughs> all of them with standard dual motor <laughs> all-wheel drive powertrains. They are in ascending order. The Air Touring, the Air Grand Touring, and Air Dream Edition. <laughs> uh huh. The Dream Edition arrives first. Hold on. The Air Edition, <laughs> the Dream Edition arrives first, with Lucid promising the startup deliveries next spring. The Grand Touring will follow next summer, and the Touring in the later part of 2021. Full pricing is listed at the bottom of the article. Blah blah blah. Yep. Um, the Dream Edition is the model with 1,080 horsepower, generated by dual motor powertrain that Lucid has miniaturized <laughs> to help boost interior space. Uh huh. Lucid said the Air Dream Edition will boast 26 cubic feet of storage. Almost 10 cubic feet coming from the front storage space called a frunk. As, I hate that term. I don't, I don't like it either. Um, That's a Porsche thing. Yeah, it's the front trunk. I guess. I don't know. It's, it's not. A, well, just call it the trunk. Which one? Oh, it's the front one. It's very simple. <laughs> Which, by the way, I went to the uh, grocery store and got the, like, where they bring it out to you. Yeah. It was Target. Yeah. And so this girl who's, like, in high school who's super annoyed that she has to be doing this yeah. comes up to me in the 9-11. And I was like outside the car, going to grab it from her. And she goes, can you open your trunk, sir? As she's standing at the rear of the car. So I do. She (laughs) opens it. She's like, wait, what? (laughs) I ran into the same thing with mine. I took mine to the grocery store, which holds probably significantly less groceries than the 996 does. 
And I started loading the groceries in, and the guy goes, one of the, the, the cart pusher, yeah, yeah. collector guys, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, it fits like one bag of groceries up in the front. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so you can have a frunk in your Lucid Air as well. Yes, maximum range in the Dream Edition is estimated at 503 miles. Those seeking the ultimate range will need to opt for the Grand Touring, which promises 517 miles, which is like, okay, 14 more miles. It doesn't really doesn't really seem no but it gets you 800 horsepower i guess and finally the touring will offer up to 620 horsepower and 406 miles of range so you can have 620 horsepower and uh 406 miles of range that's that seems like the happy medium right there that seems pretty i mean 400 horsepower is pretty happy too uh for suspension the air in the future suv is a skateboard style platform just like all of these yeah they're all just battery on chassis it would i'd be interested to know how much G-forces we're losing by the weight and how uh, on the skid pad. Sure. And how much we're gaining by the fact that the majority of the weight is almost on the ground. Because, I mean, the center of gravity on these things has to be pretty low. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. The platform also supports rapid charging, thanks to an electric system running at over 900 volts. And I tried to do a little bit of research because you could stick your hand on 50,000 volts. And be fine if it was like it, one amp. Right. right. It all has to do with the amps that's versus the volts. That's the how much power it is. And the amperage is the, the flow of current. It's how much current And is. then you multiply them and to the, get watts, which is your actually power membership. Men. Correct. And so these things are drawing about 300 to 350 amps. That'll probably will, hurt. That'll, have you ever like cooked a hot dog and left it on the grill for hours? <laughs> and you go back and you look at it. It's this little shriveled black. That's you. If, if you, you touch if that. If you touch this. Mm-hmm. Um, their home charger is 80 amps at 220 volts. So imagine your... Uh, circuit board at your house, right. your, your box. Mine is 150 amp. I have 150 amp service. This sure. takes up more than half of my my service yeah, panel. Good point. Which is and you need to have a 220 outlet right there too. Correct. Which is that's not a big deal. I no, mean, I wired one of those for my drill. These press. guys can use their seven thousand five hundred dollar tax credit to have the electrician come to their house and put a new panel in. I'm sure. Uh, remember, all Lucid batteries run on Lucid's own design. The batteries have been developed oh. by uh, their in-house technology division, Ativia, which sounds like a drug yeah the side effects of tibia might be <laughs> listening of, to Enya. the side effects of a tibia maybe <laughs> i saw i've seen some pretty nasty side effects when they're saying them really fast oh like yeah your perineum may be damaged permanently from the it's really really bad <laughs> um so the lucid air is seventy-seven thousand, ninety-five thousand, one thirty-nine thousand, and one hundred and sixty-nine thousand for the thousand horsepower version with five those are dollars right? respectively yeah. yeah but if you're looking if you're 15 years old and you like talking about dicks and farts, I've got the car for you. <laughs> this is way better. Tesla Model uh-huh. S slashes its price because of profits or something. And I'm talking about not profits because Tesla doesn't know anything about profits. I'm talking about the profits that are, are predictive. Right. You know, like uh, what's his face? The the guy, the old dude that predicts everything. Noah? <laughs> <laughs> I can't think what? of his name. I can't think of his name. The, the great prophet. The, Abraham? No, these are those are Bible people. Those yeah, aren't prophets. prophets. No, hold on. Biblical prophets. Muhammad? <laughs> yeah, or Muhammad. Whatever. Fine. That's 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 fine. Um, so uh, on the same day, Lucid announced a seventy-seven thousand dollars starting price for its air electric sedan, which works out to be sixty-nine thousand dollars, like we said. Uh-huh. Tesla announced it has lowered the starting price of the Model S to just sixty-nine thousand four hundred and twenty dollars. Uh-huh. Like I said, for those that of you that are fifteen years old, that is the price. <laughs> it's sixty-nine and four twenty. He also, so this is not the first time he's 
priced anything this way. He's also sold his shorts, Tesla shorts, for $69.42. Um, he followed just 69 people on Twitter. Uh, it's cr- increased by now. Uh, and smoked weed on the Joe Rogan podcast. Right. Also, Elon's birthday is 69 days after April 20th. Well, that, okay, that's just reaching. <laughs> Come on. I'm sure mine is 69 days after something, too. Yeah, so the meme god, Elon Musk, has tweeted, The gauntlet has been thrown down. The prophecy will be fulfilled. Model S price changes to $69,420 tonight. Tesla fans will note that the new starting price includes 420 which was the share price at which CEO Elon Musk wanted to take Tesla private back in 2018. He didn't have the funds to back up the deal and was subsequently reprimanded by the SEC. Um, honestly, this is this makes a lot of sense. Uh, it, it does. It, well, yeah, because the the Tesla is old. The Model S is an old car. If you look at it's yeah, like it's like a twenty twelve. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, I'm sure this was something lower. that was that was coming anyway. But they had no reason to drop the price because they had no competitor. They really had nothing that was in their segment that was something that was going to compete with a Model S. Yeah, I suppose nobody buying a Model S was looking at a Taycan and vice versa. No, someone was just going to go buy the Taycan and just. Because you know, it's twice the price. It is well, no, no. I mean, what is it? Fifty thousand dollars more? I think a Model S was what? How much were they? Like a hundred. Okay, so, and a Taycan was what? One hundred fifty. Uh, two hundred for the Turbo S. Yeah, but that's whatever. So there, no one's looking at those two. So there's Probably no comparison not. between the two. <clears throat> now you're starting to see um, the car become less relevant as BMW, Audi, Mercedes, Lucid Air, or Lucid come out with all these cars. They're starting to step on the toes of the of the Model S, so I think that's why you're seeing the price come down. And unless you start seeing some sort of remodel happen with the Model S, it's sales. that's a good point. Have they thought about like usually these are cycles the, for remodels for vehicles? It's every like I don't know five years they do a three remodel. to five years, three to five years. It's been eight years. Huh? I mean, there's been updates to the car, software updates. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah. If, but it's imagine if like a, a what would a 2012 would have been a Mark Six. Mark's, yeah, Mark Six um, Golf. That actually seems fine to me because we've talked about this before. Things are progressing so quickly, and everyone has this need to always be better than the last. Well, that's how cars get bigger and heavier. Absolutely, but that's this is progress. This is just just the way it is. This is the the benchmark and the barometer that we have in which to judge everything. So, I expect either a new Model S to come out, or they're just basically gonna just get rid of it because they they're selling very little of them. Compared to the Model uh, Y or Model X and all that kind of stuff, sure. which are selling like hot potatoes. And of course, the Model 3. That's the one right. you see everywhere. Yeah. And then this thing is, I don't think it's even selling that well. At least what I could see on the sales charts, it's way down there. You, below I mean, else. you don't see as many as you do Model 3s. Yeah. So, Chris, I have a story for you. Okay. So, it's a little off base for a car podcast, but interesting nonetheless. So, it turns out that one of the biggest industries to fall victim to the coronavirus pandemic were cruises. Well, yeah, that makes sense. According to CNN, the cruise industry had 30 million passengers in 2019. It was a $150 billion industry that employed 1.2 million people. Then COVID hit. And I remember hearing these horror stories of ships full of people being quarantined yeah, they just, and off they had, the coast they for like get off. weeks on end because of the outbreak. Yep. And everybody that is the on there worst was, place you yeah, want to be. They were all getting sick and dying on a cruise right. ship. Because, nope, don't want to let them in. No. So... This, of course, led to a full stop on all cruises altogether. The global halt in operation has led companies to tackle the difficult question of what to do with their luxury ships when no one is traveling or allowed to. As such, some have decided to sell their ships for scrap metal. So here's how the numbers... Cruise ships for scrap metal. Here's how the numbers break down. These ships... It's that... Okay, it's, it's that, that bad. bad. Wow. So these cruise ships can cost anywhere from $500 million to a $1 billion to build. 
mm. a single ship. And okay. you think of like Carnival, they have a whole fleet of these yeah. things. Huge investment. And typically they have a lifespan of about 40 years, according to the Financial Times, which seems long. That seems long. But I'm it's, sure that includes be, like revamps. Yeah, and it needs to be. Uh, That's probably the hull will last 40 years. Right. And they go through the whole thing. Um, the Times reported that selling a ship for scrap metal, which averages about <gasps> 25,000 metric tons. Wow could bring in about $4 million. Ooh, that's a little shy of what it costs to build it. Yeah, it seems absolutely terrible compared to the so cost do they of the take ship. All, do they take all the stuff out to retrofit onto older ships? It says, uh, yeah, that's the metric tons without any of the fittings or the other, basically, accessories that they can use elsewhere. So it's $4 million just in scrap steel, which is nuts. But these companies are basically sitting on these ships that are depreciating assets that are bringing in zero dollars at all. That's so in that sense, four million is better than nothing. Yeah, you got to pay your creditors, and, and that's that's what there's it comes all down these to. images of like these what seem like perfectly good cruise ships pulling up to these salvage yards and literally just getting like demolished from front to back. There's some pretty crazy deals on cruises out there. Like if if you're I not was, allowed to go on a cruise right now, yes, you are. Are you? You can book cruises. Yeah, you can go, but it's at your own peril. You know, are you really going to go? Are you going to book a cruise for this next story year? must and be outdated because from what I read, they're like, you're not allowed to do it. Oh, anything. really? I thought you could still book cruises and everything because I've looked and there's deals out there. You can book them and you can. Oh, do I'm it. sure you can go on a carnival cruise for five dollars. Yeah, it's, it's really cheap. But who wants to be stuck on a Petri dish? Exactly. On the other hand, there seems to be some good news in the shipping and ship industry. Now, this Chris. is something that you talked about like a year ago. Yeah. So what is our biggest rant when it comes to the shipping industry? Bunker fuel. Bunker fuel. So we basically spent an entire episode talking about this and how it's the true seemingly never mentioned culprit of all the carbon emissions. Right. Well, if you remember, I had proposed the idea of bringing back sailing power, to which you totally mocked me. You're like, we're not going to go back to sailing ships. Well, take note, because a Swedish consortium is set to launch a wind-driven car carrier in 2025 that will emit 90% less carbon dioxide than a conventional cargo ship. And go 90% slower. No. So, first of all, let me say 90%, I was confused by that. Well, it's, it's sail-powered, but it's obviously going to have some sort of propulsion, which seems practical for docking and navigating. Right. But a 90% reduction in bunker fuel producing carbon emissions is awesome. Think about how many miles of driving- How big is this thing? That equates to. How much? Like, how, how big is this thing? Because some of these ships that use bunker fuel are enormous. It's 200 meters long Holy and has shit. a capacity for 7,000 cars. Has a maximum height of 105 meters with its 80, it's five 80 meter upright wing sails fully extended. I still think this is probably going to transport a lot less than a standard ship. And I don't I, know. And I, th I imagine the cost of this thing is astronomical. Here's the other thing, though. A consortium said a statement that a North Atlantic crossing would take the ship 12 days compared to only eight days for a conventional vessel. That's it. It's 50% longer to sail. Well, if you're shipping cars, it's not something that's generally time sensitive anyway. Right. But I didn't, I didn't think that was that bad. No, that's it's not 50% longer. The problem is, is that the, the big polluters are coming from Hong Kong right, and across China. The Pacific. They're coming across the Pacific and they're in these huge ships. Like if you look at the label on my shipping container, it says eight high stackable. So they've got a whole deck full of these shipping containers stacked eight high. Yeah. And that's way more storage and way more uh, shipping capacity than what you're talking about can handle. It's good to see the technology coming. But I don't know if it's ever going to be something that... I think it should. They should just put all those huge shipping containers with sails on them. But think about 
so it has been estimated that just one of these container ships that you're talking about, the length of around six football fields, can produce the same amount of pollution as so 500 yards million cars. One right. ship in its life, right? 50 million cars. So 90% of 50 million is 45 million cars that we could go on driving for their entire life by changing one ship it's to sail power. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's totally, the thing is, is that it's way harder to change that because like I said, electric cars are cool. It's the future, you know, and it's easy to regulate, easy to change. This, These are, I don't think anyone would care if you changed it out. Of course they would. Because this is all maritime stuff. Nobody's, there's no, like the maritime agencies and stuff like that aren't really controlled by a country. It's really hard That's to regulate. That's why they've actually tried to bring this up. I was reading really in depth in like all the Paris Climate Accords. They've tried and tried to bring this up, but it just doesn't.Obody wants to take responsibility no, for it. Everyone just says, and well, that's the reason why that's they don't China. want the reason they don't want to take responsibility for it is because everybody has these numbers that they're trying to meet, right? Everybody's like, okay, the United States we want It to, affects we, GDP. Oh, I'm sure it does. So these these numbers that you 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 look at your carbon emissions for your country or whatever. Oh, you're talking in a carbon market. Yeah, carbon market. Whatever. Not not necessarily, but as a country, what you are allowed to put out in the Paris Accords, which we left, by the way, um, is X, okay? Right. Are you going to take responsibility for regulating these ships? Are you going to bring those carbon numbers onto your plate? No, of course not. Of course, not. you're absolutely not going to do it. There's nobody going to take responsibility for it. And most of these companies are not going to just switch. There's There would have to be some massive incentive or massive regulation in order to get them to do it. And then everybody's going to be angry when the Amazon packages aren't showing up at their house. It's, it's just... There's so many different cogs in this machine that are turning. I did the read. Ship. I agree. I did read a quote somewhere that the largest shipping company in the world said that they're. Um, what did they say? They're steadfast to commit to carbon neutral shipping by 2050. Oh, great! That's they 30 years from now. Didn't say how they're going to do it though either. Yeah, it's easy to say. You can feel good about it, right? You can say, "Oh, we're going to be carbon we're neutral do by that. 2050." Yeah, we're planning on it. All right. So GTI is making a club sport again. Um, I doubt we'll get it, but I want to talk so about it anyway. What is? Have we seen a club sport before in a GTI? Yeah, they did another one. Um, the first Golf GTI club sport was launched in 2016 on the 40th anniversary of the Hot Hatch, the car that was tuned to 261 horsepower and uh, had 400 units while the Club Sport S was 305 horsepower. Um, to go along with the horsepower of the new one, uh, it's which, I'm sorry, is a 296 horsepower and 295 pound-feet of torque, the 2021 GTI Club Sport Standard Electromechanic. I... This is boring to me. I know. That's what I wanted to get at is... <laughs> Seriously, I, I, if you listen to our episode last week, it was Klaus Ludwig would go, bah, 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 bah. That's what I feel about. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about this whole thing. This is, I should be excited about a GTI. Right. I should be like, yes, this is great. We're First of all, none of these numbers seem that impressive to me. Well, for a front-wheel drive hot hatch, they're pretty good. I don't care. It, they don't seem impressive. Well, that's because you you're just heard me say that the Lucid Air is going to have 1,000 horsepower. Right. But that this, is part of it. But for this sure. thing is probably 40 grand, you know, so it's half the price. Which still, yeah, I don't know. Doesn't do anything for me. So this is the second to last Golf or GTI we're ever going to get. So the the Golf, the Mark 9, this is uh, this is Mark 8. Oh, you're right, because they're not bringing the Golf over. They're not going to be doing Golf. So we're, we're not getting the Golf. We're only, In America, we're only getting the GTI and the Golf R. Gotcha. And then the, the nine, Generation 9 is going to be sold to countries that are that need something that has a combustion engine in it. Wow. So that's what I read up from Captain... Volkswagen or whatever the guy Captain is. Volkswagen. Captain Volkswagen. Gotcha. Um, VW is promising more downforce. Who cares? You know, we learned from... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does that matter in a GTI? Uh, well, we talked to Paul from McLaren. Remember, he said that most of the downforce on these cars is to make them 
downforce neutral. Right. Because so they, the so shape just, of the car themselves yeah, so actually creates lift. So they don't just float away. Um, another, <laughs> another kind of sad story. The rotor engine is back. Well, that's not sad. Uh, the automaker on Mazda, obviously, on Wednesday confirmed production plans for a rotary range extender. Yeah, we heard about this. Yeah, it's going to be happening now. It was uh, speculative before. The battery electric versions of the MX-30, the compact crossover SUV, which went on okay. sale in Japan this year, is also going to be offered with a hybrid powertrain. And this is, I think, one reason I want to bring this up is I think that the, the way, I feel like the electric stuff, I feel like we skipped a step. Agreed. Like we went from combustion engine and then we had a Prius, which nobody liked because it was super dorky, right? Nobody oh, but really, they sold well. They sold well, but nobody. I think it's not accurate to say nobody liked them. Nobody. I, they weren't. Why didn't any other manufacturers jump on board? They did eventually. Yeah, but they didn't really. Every see manufacturer has a hybrid. There wasn't the market for it, I don't think, initially. Okay. So I don't think there was a market for it. And then all of a sudden, once everybody did start to kind of trickle on board, Tesla went, aha! <laughs> Just kidding. Everything's going to be electric. And everybody's like, okay, I guess we're going to drop all our plans to do this. Volkswagen throws $60 billion at electric cars. And pretty, now we have, we have no backup plan. I love the idea of a, a daily driver car. For, this for Not for me, okay? For, <laughs> I for love the, this idea, but I would never buy I it. would never do this. Um, although I kind of am intrigued by an i3. Yeah. Anyways. Of having a car that's got a 200-mile range with a range extender with, with two gallons of gas in it. So it right. kind of picks the range up to around 300 miles or whatever. So you drive around, and then if you get it in a bind or you get in a pinch, you've got the range extender to kind of back yourself I up. I agree. That it makes seems like sense. We, it seems like that was the step we skipped, and we went straight to the electric thing. It just doesn't make I, any sense. So I just think it's cool that Mazda's making a range extender because I don't see anybody else really doing that. Yeah, except from that i3 that you mentioned our friend alex has an i3 and it was funny watching him on instagram talk about it yeah it's because he did you see how I he, he, he slipped into behind this truck and he was doing the drafting thing and his range all of a sudden went up <laughs> as he's traveling i used to do that with my rabbit pickup truck diesel. i know i thought yeah, yeah yeah for sure all right so i wanted i thought this was just a really interesting story um china this is Today in Why China Sucks news, <laughs> China recently conducted a test involving a swarm of loitering munitions, Wait, often referred to as suicide drones. What? Can you think of anything scarier than the thought of a suicide drone? I don't understand what this is even talking about. It is deployed from a box-like array of tubular launchers on a light tactical vehicle and from helicopters. This underscores how the drone swarm threat broadly is becoming ever more real and re will present increasingly serious challenges for military forces around the world in future conflicts. What? Okay, I, I can't picture this. What okay. are you talking about? So what this is, is it's think of a truck. Right. Think of a, a surface-to-air missile battery. Right. It's or, got the big I got, box. Hold on. Let's think of the Saturn missiles on 4th of July. Okay, like the little box with all the little missiles in it. You oh, ever played yeah, with Saturn I, missiles? I know, okay, I didn't know the, the name. Beep. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's a cube, yeah. and each of them has like that's 50 what, tubes That's in what it. this is, but they all fire out a drone. Why do the drones need to be fired? They'd get shot. Well, that, how else are they going to get put up in the air? I don't know, lift it like a normal drone? No, this is a military application. So they've got this big box with a, <laughs> like 50 of them in it, okay. and they go, zoom, 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 and they shoot them all out. Okay. okay? Um, the China, let me, I will get to why. How is it a drone? Because it's a freaking drone. When you think of the what a drone is, yeah. it's a drone. It's It can float in the air okay. and then acquire a target and hit the target. And then it just drops down. So it has like an explosive charge it can, on it. It can have an explosive charge. It can be a kinetic it's weapon. It's basically it can a be hovering a, missile yes. that shoot. Okay. and But they can do like 40 of them at once and they can just float there. Imagine if you're on the other side of a mountain or a hill or something, and you've got a, a force on the other side, and over the hill become, comes like 
80, 100 of these drones. And then they just hover there until and they acquire target. And, and then they just all... Yep, they're all autonomous. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, that's why I thought it was really interesting. Let me continue, and you'll, I'll, I'll, we'll learn a little bit more together. The China Academy of Electronics and Information Technology reportedly carried out the test in September. It's a subsidiary of the state-owned, obviously, China Electronic Technology Group Corporation, which carried out a record-breaking drone swarm experiment in June of 2017 involving nearly 120 small fixed-wing unmanned aircraft. Four months later, they conducted its own larger experiment with 200 fixed-wing drones. Chinese companies have also experimented using quadcopter-type drones for large public displays. So um, the test of the, the the video footage shows up to, this is just a test, shows 11 of the drones flying in formation as a swarm, as well as individually directing their movements using a touchscreen on a tablet-like device. We also see views from the electro-optical cameras on the drones, observing areas on the ground, and then zeroing in on mock targets. It's not clear if these drones have any kind of low-light capable or infrared cameras that would allow them to operate at night. But, Guarantee that they would. Yeah, even if they don't, how easy is that to put in? Uh, swarms are inherently difficult for opponents to defend against, and one of their most obvious applications is to blind, confuse, and overwhelm enemy air defenses. This is a very real threat is so- and something that people have been sounding an alarm on for some time now, and which you can read about more here. I'll post a link in the in the show notes. As our own Tyler Rugway from The War Zone, where I got this article, he wrote, quote, being networked together and being autonomous in nature after being loaded with a target area location along with other mission parameters, these swarms will be extremely hard to defend against, even using the best SHORAD, short-range air defense, systems in development today. It's the saturation nature of the attack, the size of the attackers, and the fact that they work as a coordinated swarm, employing dynamic tactics to see as many in their companies survive long enough to make their suicidal attack. That's what makes them so deadly. Just the knowledge that such an attack is possible would be psychologically stressful and demoralizing for troops <laughs> on the ground. The idea that a single truck could, uh, unquote, the idea that a single truck could deploy 48 drones in a matter of seconds, which could swarm a target area over the horizon, is a reminder that there is no defense for such an attack at this time. Lasers, miniature interceptors, and even other forms of directed energy and electronic warfare are still limited in their ability to counter drones at all, let alone massive swarms of them. The solution likely lies, in at least part, in other drones. Really? Quote, although it may sound like a page out of a science fiction novel, the only thing that could probably counter such a dense swarming attack on ground forces or a garrison force would be for those forces to have their own counter swarm of drones at the ready. (laughs) This would result in dozens or even hundreds of mini kamikaze dogfights in the sky, a life-and-death struggle amongst diminutive, high-flying, autonomous robots. Wow. Such a capability is now in the process of being developed, but the fact that it is 2020 and we're still beginning to grapple with this issue is another reminder of how flagrantly deficient the Pentagon's foresight was on the matter. So this is a hint at the future of warfare. I had never heard of this. I've always thought about, you know, that you see the drone technology, like, oh, we have a bee that has a camera on it, and they can fly the little bumblebee around. Yeah. And it's so rudimentary if you think what the applications of this could be. Right. You know, what if they... I don't know how good the battery life is on these things. I don't know how long they last, but you could theoretically put like, you could put a box of five of them in the trunk of a, or in the back of a truck with a tonneau cover over it okay, and just drive somewhere and then just release like five of them straight up anywhere you want it and just boom, fucking attack and do shit. It is super scary to me. Interesting. It's, it's, it's really, really highly advanced technology. Okay. So I'm picturing this swarm that they're launching over our hypothetical mountain range. Yep. Why? Can't think of like 1950s like uh, anti-aircraft flak guns. You know, yep. flak like World War II where they come and you have to go through the flak storm. Yep. Why wouldn't flak guns take these out? 
Uh, I guess you probably could do that. In my in my completely uneducated, I don't know what I'm talking about mind, because right. I'm thinking these are probably too low to use flak. I think that, you know, if they're hovering over your troops, you're probably not using flak cannons. What about just shotguns? No. Lots of shotguns. There is, there's nothing right now, and that's what's kind of scary about it. It's, it's, think of this dude with an iPad just, like, selecting targets with his finger. It's like a video game. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, like that's how drones are right now anyways. The, pro- the problem is this is just, like, lots and lots and lots of them. All right. So I, had, uh, I, had, I was really, really concerned about the, the Klaus Ludwig interview. Okay. And I was concerned that he didn't that he th- didn't side with me on the grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dare Opakar. So I took I had our resident journalist Buster Conrad call uh-huh. Klaus Ludwig. Oh, I see. To, to just to clarify. Oh, this is all news to just me. Just to clarify what was going on. Hi, Chris and Jake. With the Opa Auto debate still <laughs> raging on, I've been sent to the Nurburgring to get the final, definitive answer from Klaus Ludwig as to the 190E or Mercedes in general being Grandpa cars. Klaus, can you settle this for us once and for all? I was trying to be polite during the interview, but I tell you, uh, this is too much. Do you know how old I am? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, maybe in your 50s, uh, no more than 60? No, you swine. I'm 71. The Jim Jake... <laughs> Whatever his name was really pissed me off. He says Opa Auto as if it means slow and boring. Do I seem slow and boring to you? Uh, well, I am. I mean, uh, no, no, Kenny Klaus. I, I, I didn't mean any disrespect, and I don't think anyone they did uh, they they didn't mean any disrespect either. And you you seem really like the kind of one man party I'd love to hang out <laughs> with. Now you've run that, so no. I'll tell you, I race you. Winner takes the loser's car, but I want it in writing first. I'll drive. An Opa Auto Mercedes, and you drive, uh, wait, uh, what do you drive? A Kia Soul. Never mind. <laughs> oh, fuck, no. It would be an honor, sir. I guess the final answer is that Jake screwed up. <laughs> Back to you in the studio. Yes, that's what I thought. I knew well, it. I knew you, it Buster. the whole time. It's interesting how Klaus's voice changed, though. No, it sounded just like him. Yeah, I just like him, huh? It sounded just like him. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, I, I'm glad you have some <laughs> additional information on why... It is not Der Opa car. It is not Actually, Opa he didn't even say that. He said it is Der Opa car, but Der Opa is not a bad thing. Yes, that's true. That's true. Because it's, you know, I'm going to be an Opa someday. <laughs> Basically, anything you drive at that, at, at that point is going to be a grandpa car. Well, that's all we have time for today, guys. We will see you on Monday. And on Monday, our special guest, Larry Chen, a, uh, right. an automotive photographer, commercial photographer. Done. He's done a ton of work. He's been around forever. And I remember seeing he him. He's very too. notorious. Very notorious. That's like notorious. Yeah, that's a good thing, right? Be notorious. Uh, yeah, I just mean like I know the name and yeah, I don't know absolutely. a lot of photographers. Yeah, he shot for Speed Hunters initially, I think. That's yep. kind of where I remember seeing his work is in like, it must have been like 2009, 2010. So we're going to talk to Larry Chen about photography and get some advice for him Chris, for did everybody. you know I shot for Speed Hunters? Did you really? What yeah. did you shoot? What did you... Have you not seen my article on Speed Hunters? I actually have an article up on Speed Hunters. I had an article up on Speed Hunters, and then I realized that they never asked me if they could post the article <laughs> that I did on Speed Hunters, and then I made them cease and desist and remove oh, the photos okay. from Speed Hunters. So that's my only interaction with Speed Hunters. Yeah. Um, anyway, we will see you guys on Monday with Larry Chad. Take care. Bye bye.